This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. And I'm Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 3 of the AMC series titled Damsels. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic, and by extension any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 2, Episode 3, so pause this podcast and go catch up on the show before you listen to the rest of our episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. This week, we did get a little bit of listener feedback. Uh, Christopher on Twitter, that's at Grundy Radio X said, I actually just discovered and listened to your whole first season of podcast a week ago, and I'm about to start season two. The hype is real, guys. Thank you, Christopher, for coming to our show. Thank you. Love to know how you found it. Please let me know on Twitter when you hear this. Yes. But uh, thanks for listening. We hope you continue to enjoy our podcast. Tell your friends yes, about please. Preacher, and if they happen to want to hear a show, too. Yeah. Tell them about ours. Yep. Uh, so, Yeah. Not much else other than that. We can get right into our recap of Season 2, Episode 3, titled Damsels. Uh, In the teaser, we open on Eugene's memory of his interaction with Tracy Loach that led to her brain-dead state and Eugene's disfigurement. Uh, It turns out this is Eugene reliving this moment of his life in hell, much like the Saint of Killers. And the holographic projector that's in his cell block breaks, and an official of some sort calls all the units down to that cell block. The hell projector. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> interesting yeah I, and i will note the the title sequence did come back yeah and i like that ian coletti's thing is just that projector mm-hmm. spinning and like the way that they layered the titles this season is actually pretty interesting i want i'm wondering if the clips behind them are going to change i was they, wondering that also they hid noah taylor a lot of them were uh, a lot of the clips that we saw were in this episode too yeah so i it'll but there were a few that even weren't actually yeah, oh yeah. so you know it, it that's you know, we said, okay, the teaser not there, or the, the opener not there, whatever, last week, but it's fine to have it back, too. Yeah, I th- I forgot, I kind of forgot that I love the style of the titles. I yeah. just don't really like the song. No. It's okay. It's just really boilerplate. Yeah, it, 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 feels it sounds like, like me making a song for our podcast. It feels like royalty-free music, that yeah. they were like, we'll put that in as a temp track, and then they, they were like, you know what, who, who cares? It's like they didn't want to pay for source music of some kind <laughs> to, to put over it. They didn't want to go with the obligatory son of a preacher man or something like that. Right. But, yeah. So, uh, Eugene. Nice to see Eugene back. Nice uh, to see Eugene as Eugene. Yeah, without without the, the arse face it's going pretty on. pretty striking. It is. Yeah. He's a pretty uh, adorable young man <laughs> yeah. without, without that disfigurement. Yeah, on he his looks face. like Big Boy or like... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's got a really... He's a Pip Boy from... Fa- like, that's him, basically. Yeah, he's got a real, like cherubic face he's just like super cute the, the shot faced guy the shot of him like so the, the the scene opens on black you hear tracy leaving a voicemail for him and then it open it, like it cuts to uh 
Eugene riding through the streets on his bike with this really heroic music swell going on, and I just thought it was really like that. It was really funny to me. Of it like was, the, yeah. I'm going to go save the girl kind of thing. Yeah, I chuckled because it was in such contrast to everything else about him in the show so far. Yeah. Where he's just the, the worst luck. Yep. And everything's bad. And this yeah. one moment was just this really was, hilarious. Yeah. It was one little moment of kind of glory <laughs> until it all kind of turns yeah, to Yeah, and shit. I just immediately was like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't want to watch what happens next. I know. that. It, like, it's a very... Um, Despite kind of knowing what was gonna come, at least like it, it, it was weird to to experience Tracy blowing part of her head off, and Dude. like it, 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 it was pretty brutal. Yeah, and poor Eugene just relegated to the friend zone so hard. <laughs> yeah. Not even the friend zone, the you make me want to kill myself zone. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I was really, I was like, because when he talked her down off the ledge and like took it away from her i was like okay so how's it gonna happen i'm like there's no way he aims that thing at her yeah and then the way it happened i was like oh god that's so mean even it's even worse so mean i I know that's terrible (sighs) such a good scene though yeah yeah this that that was my first note of the episode i I wrote uh the 180 this show has made me do on eugene because i don't (laughs) like eugene in the comic yeah like at all yeah and He's great on this show. He's, He's really good. But <clears throat> at the same time, and we'll, we'll talk more when we get to it, just about what he's doing in the show. I kind of don't care anymore, if yeah. that makes any sense. Like, I guess until the 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 rules and how hell functions, I guess until that's a little more thoroughly explained, I'm not really worried about Eugene right now. I kind of want to focus more on what's going on with Jesse and, and Tulip and Cassidy. Yeah. So right now, like when it would cut, it only cut away like twice in this episode, if that, back to him. I was kind of yeah, like... Yeah, we kind of got... It, it was almost kind of bookended, Yeah, and I kind of almost thought like, you either need to show me more of this or just not do it. Yeah. Like I... M- and maybe see, maybe episode three is just going to be like... Or four is going to be, here's Eugene. I hope so. Like I, it, like it would be... it would. That's the, that's the weird thing about Better Call Saul, which I know you haven't watched... Uh, but there's there's episodes that are like very Saul centric and there's episodes that are very Mike centric. Okay. And it even like at points people are like this is kind of just two completely different shows. It sounds good though. It's very interesting and I think it works very well for that show. But I wonder if they are willing to do that in Preacher. Like if they would be willing to be like here's 40 minutes of Eugene. See, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't yeah. want a full. I wouldn't want like kind of the Game of Thrones treatment where I'm like, hey, I haven't seen this character oh, in yeah, like for, yeah. in five episodes. So maybe they need to give me a, like, give us like a half and half until things meet up or something. Like, give, give us. I think we just need a little bit more. Eugene. Just a little like more. You said things yeah. are very nebulous right now, and to give us just the breadcrumb on either end of the episode, was they're really kinda... they're really breadcrumbing the, or breadcrumbing <laughs> the 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 bejesus out of a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's a lot of stuff that they're teasing sprinkling here and there yeah like we finally saw who hair star i guess they finally saw his nameplate so i can call him by his name and then they don't do anything and you're like oh there he is next week maybe (laughs) so i'm I'm okay with i'm kind of okay with being in suspense i mean i'm not i'm I'm sort of in suspense because i kind of know what's coming but at the same time i don't so i feel like how do you feel about all that are you okay I've been okay with it right now. Uh, like it right now, it takes a little time for those kinds of things to grate on me because I tend to be okay with a little more place setting than you are 
Speaking okay. of somebody who's continued to watch Game of Thrones where you haven't, you know, and and I don't I don't fault you for not having the patience to sit there and watch all these like tiny chess moves happen in an episode. So if it gets to that level of things, especially in a show that hasn't been like that necessarily, yeah, then it would be maybe a different story. But I think because I like all of the characters enough, I'm okay with when some of them make more granular moves in episodes you rather might, than like, reserve judgment for like halfway through the season. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. And if it kind of like it, if it feels like we're just not making enough progress, like it's like season two of the walking dead. Like if we're at the farm the whole season, <laughs> fuck that. I don't need another that show that in made my me life. stop in my tracks and go, I'm going home. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, it I'm was done. It, as far as I think it, it wasn't really worth it, but Hopefully Preacher's not there. Even way. Marvel's gotten... With two of their shows now, I've stopped and gone, you know what? I'm good. I've gotten my fill, and I yeah. don't like what I'm what I'm having. Yeah. Uh, is there any other stuff in, in this teaser that we should maybe mention? Uh, I mean... I don't think so. I think... Tracy, like, this just... This removed any and all... Like, it removed a lot of sympathy for Tracy, which I think is... It's kind of shitty to do that to, like... Uh, uh, yeah. Someone who seems like a victim. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. You don't, you never know in season one what happened. Yeah. And you think, based on how Eugene acts, you kind of think like he's a nice guy. Like he probably didn't mean anyone any harm, but they never bother to really go into it. They never even bother to say like, oh, he's innocent yeah. or anything like that. And I'm not sure if they try to say that she murdered herself or if he murdered her, because he's not in jail, obviously. No, and I like I don't. I, well, his father's the sheriff, right. so obviously that's a tough situation. Well, it just seems like but, there's kind of some understanding in the town that he drove her to shoot herself or something. I think. I think. Uh, yeah. Whereas and her I, her really hilarious and terrible suicide note, he burned. <laughs> so. So nobody knows what she was actually. Right. What a attempting dor- what to a do. dork she was. Yeah. Yeah, like the the idea that she's going to kill herself because her boyfriend cheated on her with a 5 out of 10 is just kind of... And then she's like, my friend can have my bunny, but everything else needs to say, stay as like a shrine so to me. So people can remember me. Yeah. These are the dudes I had sex with. <laughs> but it was, only, it was only anal, so I could so still, go, I to still go to heaven. Yeah, like it's they, they painted her in the worst possible light. Yeah, it, here's the thing. I usually take issue with that in, yeah. in movies. It seems like frequently in films there's... Especially when it, when there's that, whenever there's anything involving high schoolers, you always have really cartoonish like bully characters that are stupid yeah. and don't make like Flash Thompson is the best example. <laughs> In every Spider-Man movie, there's Flash Thompson and he is a cartoon character. Yep. And you're like this sort of thing just I don't think really happens like this anymore. Yep. Or ever. And yet we all have this idea that this is how bullies in high school are, and it's just mm-hmm. so over the top and like ridiculous. I'm always kind of like, ugh, kind of pulls me out of it. And and all of her behavior in this episode was very kind of in line with what it usually turns me off. But because pretty much every character in the show yeah, is up to eleven, it, yeah, it's kind of it like didn't, I was like, this fits right in with this yeah. reality. Yeah, that's and poor that's Eugene still likes her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> poor kid. Eugene feeling any guilt over that situation in general? Like I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, he like saved her life technically. Yeah, but is it much of a life? Well, maybe yeah, not. But it is well. Not, uh, only, not only did he, did he save her life, but the idea that she shot herself after, like, after the only nice person to her, like, gave her a little, like, a peck. It was like barely a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It sucks for Eugene. Yeah. 
Uh, on to Act One, the group is en route to uh, New Orleans, and Tulip and Jesse argue about their destination while repeatedly listening to A Walk to the Peak, the jazz song that God requested at the strip joint. Uh, Tulip protests and is very apprehensive to head there, but after arriving in New Orleans, the gang pick a random jazz club that appears to have someone that may know more about God, but it turns out that it's just a dog fetish sex show. Did you look up A Walk to the Peak? Is it a real song? It is a real song. Okay. The 14 best songs no one's ever heard of. Probably not real. Is not actually real, but it's perfect. It's very funny. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that, if that came right out of Seth Rogen's brain, I'd be like, yeah. That was funny. Right. I liked that. <laughs> it's a pretty it good It felt album. like something out of Portlandia. Like yeah. They got, a, they yeah. got a good laugh out of me. I was like, where's Fred? Is Fred Armisen going to be the, the <laughs> upright the bass player? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so A Walk to the Peak is, a, is an actual song. Cool. Um, That's cool. Yeah. I really, really love that the idea that jazz is going to be this big theme for the season i think yeah. that's really cool that's it's pretty awesome and it seems like in all these jazz clubs they're kind of like pulling like actual musicians to come and play a bunch of great jazz which is yeah. kind of fun that we might have a little bit of that yeah it's just a cool it's a cool well. soundtrack to the show it works really well yeah and it's certainly like it it's nice that they shot in new orleans because it feels like new orleans oh yeah it doesn't feel like this is somebody shooting a location to be new orleans yeah like, i think new orleans is pretty awesome in historically in movies it's always been used pretty well yeah everyone kind of knows or they have this idea of new orleans and i like this movie really lean or this show really leans into the the weirdness of it you really can't like it, you can't fake New Orleans. <laughs> like, I feel like if somebody was like, oh, hey, look, this is New Orleans, and it was like shot in Cleveland, you would know even if you've never been to New Orleans. Just from like the fact that most of the time somebody's portraying New Orleans, they're shooting there. Yeah, that's it true. Because it has so much character. Yeah, to, to recreate it would be ridiculous. Yeah. It'd be expensive and, and not true. I mean, and New Orleans is fortunate in that way that the the imagery of it is so widely known that people could kind of like you're saying they might be able to call it out and be like yeah. that doesn't feel like when when uh, the RoboCop remake came out yeah they came to Detroit and, and we were laughing in the theater because we were like none of this is Detroit <laughs> well no there's uh, a part there, where he like gets on a shot. bridge and we're like if that's in Detroit why is he going to Canada because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's literally the only bridge you've got in Detroit RoboCop is heading back across <laughs> back to Canada I know yeah it was hilarious it was yeah. like that kind of stuff and there's like this shot of him on the bridge on his motorcycle. And I was like, maybe in every other territory or around other states, this moment was this cool. Passable. But like our theater was literally laughing <laughs> yeah. because we all knew like, this is dumb. <laughs> and this movie's dumb. So yeah. there's some trivia for you. If you didn't know, Detroit has no bridges that go anywhere other than Canada. Yes. And yes. we have a couple of those, mm-hmm. but that's the only place RoboCop's going unless he, went out of his jurisdiction for that yeah. scene. Unless and somewhere in the future they've made a bridge to somewhere else in Detroit. <laughs> Just <a> over land. <laughs> Maybe he was going to Belle Isle. It's from, yeah, it's from Campus Marshes right right to Belle Isle <laughs> to save to save the weekenders the uh the the drive yep. down Jefferson. Uh yeah, that's funny. But anyway, even yeah, that that always is a little painful in movies when they try to do that. Well, even like in Four Brothers that's supposed to be in Detroit and there's like there's like signs uh, on the, like the liquor stores that are in French because they shot it in in like Quebec or something. Yeah, or Vancouver. Like, yeah, or, exactly. Yeah, in Quebec probably. And I was like, oof, nope. Yeah, no. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's you, cool. You were saying that you like the jazz is 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 the theme throughout this season. I was saying that, uh, but I don't know where I'm going with it yet. I just keep having these little notes where I'm like, jazz. It's just it's 
really weirdly perfect. It feels like the kind of thing that was in the book, and to my recollection, it's not. But yeah. it's the perfect kind of like music bed, sound bed to, for the show. Maybe even it's something you, that Rogan you, and Goldberg really brought. Yeah, to even the though piece. you would think like it'd be like a western, you you would think you'd want to hear like country or that kind of thing. But like jazz works really well, and it 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 works in harmony with the character of Jesse really well. Yeah, and and his kind of his quest, despite him like needing to learn or understand it even because yeah. we're seeing a bit of that like it's not jazz doesn't come to him naturally from what we're seeing exactly so uh in the car jesse uh they start talking about swamps and uh because somebody somebody tulip starts complaining about new orleans and jesse has the quote i like the city fine it's the swamps i don't like mm-hmm. cassidy says why is that and jesse says it's a family thing yes does that line up with any knowledge you have? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So it lines up with a lot of stuff I'm, that I'm, actually happened in this episode. I, well, yeah, and that's that's true too. But that. Uh, well, I mean, for Jesse, in terms of like his family, his oh, family history. Really. Yep. Okay. There's. Uh, oh God, I can't wait. I, <laughs> again, they're they're just they're just teasing they're sprinkling some, some really they're sprinkling. <laughs> they're teasing some really good stuff. And yeah. uh, I think it's it's just phenomenal. I'm glad that stuck out to me. And there was another swamp moment later on. There is a there is a little arc in the books that takes place in New Orleans. I guess there's a couple technically, but there's one that happens a little bit later on. That as soon as they were talking about going to New Orleans, it was actually the first thing I thought of for some reason. Even yeah. even before the thing Jesse's talking about, uh, that involves Cassidy. Okay, and I'm curious if they're going to explore it i think it would be amazing in the show and i think joe gilgan would just crush the material <laughs> if if they're going to give it to him Interesting. so we'll see all right uh oh the dog yeah the dog, the dog moment i think that that might come back around the extreme close-up on the dog at the end kind of like on the eye yeah yeah and then in the well i saw that in the title sequence yeah. And I thought, oh, because I instantly, you know what it is. It's like someone in a dog gimp suit. And I immediately drew a connection to a character from the book. Okay. And I was like, that's really exciting because it's something that I want to see show up. But obviously in this episode, they kind of just walked away from it. Whether or not they are going to get back to that character, I, I don't, that character might still come around, but I think I'm just like red herringing myself. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they they walked away from it, and then another girl later on says to him, you should check out the dog show. Yeah, and so it kind of it, seemed like maybe a, a Rogan Goldberg-y kind of joke, because yeah. they like to do that. They yeah. like to like do their own little callbacks within the same episode. But like the, the idea, like, thing. none of that really invokes God to me, so I don't know why other people in New Orleans would make that connection. Yeah, other but, than it being a joke, so maybe there is something to it. That's later. like the slang. Like if you want to see God, it's I don't know. Yeah, that's the, that's the slang of having a good time because God is dog backwards. That's also possible. Maybe everybody in New Orleans is dyslexic. Maybe they've all got their idea of God backwards. That's yeah. That's the English teacher moment right there. <laughs> is there an English teacher? <laughs> the. Uh, yeah, the, something about the close-up of the eye was really weird. Mm-hmm. Did they do that with the with the dog in season one that was running around? The mascot? Well, there was a dog, right? Yeah, there was. A, uh, I can't remember if it was a dog or a bear or what he was. Um, so no, I don't. I don't know. Okay, I'm not sure if that was hearkening back to a moment or not. It just kind of seemed like. It like seemed a, like they were drawing attention to it for a reason. Yes. So, so we'll see. We'll see if our analysis of ten seconds in the show is. 
yeah pays off later of gimp dog uh anything else maxi jazz was funny to me I yeah that was good yeah the uh it was cute it made me chuckle yeah. i guess maybe it made me grin i don't think i chuckled <laughs> anything but else a, in the a, next one? a lot of these little like cutesy exchanges between tulip and cassidy with jesse kind of not in the loop they're starting to get a little the car conversations i think are getting tiring for me yeah i'm getting a little fed up of like the little banter and like stuff in the car it just i think especially in regards to that scene clearly tulip's hiding something and jesse seems to think so and he's too patient with her or he knows her too well to like press it yeah and he's obviously not going to use the word on her but at the same time there's not a lot of indication i guess in in uh cooper's portrayal it's not really coming across his face as much in terms of like he understands what's going on but he's gonna let it slide or like he's gonna he, choose to let her tell him on her own time yeah he's just kind of like staring at her and then like the subject gets changed eventually and it feels a little dissatisfying it feels like we as the viewer aren't really being shown what the characters are feeling in this moment and that's a little a little frustrating and to I'm not me, sure why, though. To me, though, it kind of feels more along the lines of that Jesse's just distracted by the mission. That's true. And and so he's not... He's You, you say that he's patient with Tulip, but I think he's kind of impatient with the, like... He's probably like, you're going to tell me at some point anyway. So I'm pushing you aside till the words come out of your mouth because I want to find God. That's a good point. It's kind of how I was reading the situation. But I would get where it's kind of like you, you you're... Even Cassidy's not actually in the loop until maybe this episode. Yeah. It seemed like maybe she was going to tell him something, but it happened during a commercial break if it did. So, yeah, the the idea that Jesse clearly knows something's going on. Like, I, I think I can logic it away as he's distracted by the mission. Whether or not that's what they're trying to portray in the show, we'll have to I guess. I think I think maybe I'm, I'm just getting a little a little worn out of the, like, extended scenes of people not talking to each other about what's going on because i guess we as the audience already know yeah maybe we know some of it I'd, I'd just rather start getting to some content you know what i mean yeah instead of just this thing in the car of why not new orleans well here's some funny quips about jazz in mexico yeah like i just felt like it didn't need it you know yeah the the show the show's funny enough in its in its little tiny moments it doesn't need like these little scenes in the car of like because i mean i think if you took every car scene in the season so far it probably follows a very similar structure. Yeah. And it's starting to feel like they shot all these car scenes in one day and just like, here's the green screen. Here's the next page in the script. Yeah. That's why it's not the foreskin scene. It's the Mexi jazz scene. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely see that. Anyway, uh, we don't know it's a road show, so there probably should be scenes in cars, but, but they, they could be a little more deftly handled. Uh, act two, Tula bails on Jesse and Cassidy, uh, follow suit to number one pry more information out of her predicament uh, about her predicament and number two Cassidy told his friend Dennis that they would stay with him she run, uh, Tulip runs into an old friend Mrs. Barbaray and appears to be unhappy with running into anyone because she thinks that they will talk to Victor presumably and uh, Jesse also gets laughed at when asking for God in another bar and ends up smashing a glass on a man's face and then finally Cassidy and Tulip find Dennis who only speaks French and does not appear to have that much of a great relationship with Cassidy. But it's actually Denis. Denis, yeah. Number one, I guess we can start there with uh, with Denis. 
uh, I contacted a friend that I was going to send a clip to to uh, translate the French for me, but it turns out that Reddit already did the work. Oh, good, of course. So, uh, Reddit says that or translated loosely as it's not Dennis, it's Denis. What do you want now? You always want something, don't you? Perhaps it's nothing, or it'll be different this time. After you come into my home, you turn my apartment into a pigsty. You eat and drink like crazy, and you party all night. And where are your other prostitutes? I'm too old for this. So, so I have a feeling that Denis. This is actually not based on any real knowledge of the book, <laughs> other than some other characters. He's probably a dude that Cassidy's been rolling around for like decades. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was. He's probably too. a young man that he he was buds with, and now he's just old. He fart eventually that, got sick of right because I mean he must speak English. Yeah. In, the, in order to understand the shit Cassie's saying, or he just doesn't care enough to like bother with it. But yeah, it's, uh, I think there's more to that relationship than, than we are led to believe there is. Cause they don't even really play at many hints. They just kind of, they just kind of put it in front of you. Like here's this and no one's going to act like it's anything unusual yeah. to kind of maybe make you not focus in on it so much. Like the dog, like mm-hmm. we're, <laughs> we're more like focused on the dog gimp. <laughs> But like the scene is just played very plainly. Like here's this guy he knows who doesn't really like him. Mm-hmm. And we're going to leave it at that for the most part. Even though Tulip kind of, she kind of clues Jesse in and like something's off, but I'm not even going to be that suspicious about yeah. it. Yeah. Like these two, both Jesse and, and Tulip are pretty preoccupied with other stuff. And uh, they're not bothering to kind of think further about what Cassidy's got going on, which is pretty representative of the relationship of their, yeah, in, the, in the books. In, in, yeah. yeah. Like I said, he's kind of relegated to being the sidekick for most of the time. And then all of this weight and backstory of Cassidy comes crashing down on you and it's really good. So I, I don't know if they're going to do that in the show. It kind of uh, seems a logical It route. sounds like they're headed there with, with one of the later scenes, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it definitely sticks out like a sore thumb, this Denis and, and Cassidy relationship. Mm-hmm. But, and it's weird because Cassidy seems very endeared kind of to to Denis and and in a way he's very like um and he's also like misrepresenting Denis to Tulip and Jesse yeah. for some reason so it's not like it's it's weird that seems to be another indicator that he knows him from a long time ago because you know how you you might have like memories of somebody a certain way that you haven't seen in a long time yeah or you may even say like oh there's this guy he's great because he was your buddy in college 10 years ago but you've grown it, to be different people and maybe you have but when you bring that out in each other yeah maybe you bring out or you at least see that in the other person even if it's not there anymore yeah it's so like you might introduce somebody and they're like i don't get what you're talking about like that person's not fun you'd be like really you don't think he's fun <laughs> oh well this one time you'd be like well yeah this one time back then yeah but that's not who the guy is anymore yeah, no, I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if there's a whole lot else to talk about with this segment. Mrs. Barbara, does that is that a nah? Ring, I, any, I, ring any bells? Truthfully, the, I have no idea what's going on with Tulip right now. Okay, this is all this all feels fresh, uncharted territory. Unless it's going to tie back into something that I do know, but for now, it feels it feels like something fresh. Okay, but uh, Tulip's pretty different. Yeah, yeah, and you said that back in the yeah, first season. She's too. pretty different. Uh, there's more of of Jesse and Tulip bickering, and and Jesse kind of trying to get at what the deal is in the scene. But uh, once again, we kind of spoke then he gets, about that. He definitely gets frustrated this time, and just yeah, like does and whatever. Just I got, like, I got shit to do. Yeah, I'm looking for God. How important are your problems? Kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we get to Act Three. Tulip still won't fill Cassidy in as to what has her spooked. 
Jesse finally gets a lead to see the singer at La Chamanique named Lara Featherstone, who ultimately gets kidnapped by several men in white. So did they say her full name? They just said Lara, right? I think they just said Lara. She's credited as Lara Featherstone. Yes, she is. Okay. And that makes a big, <laughs> big difference in who that character is. Interesting. Uh, Jesse uses Genesis to stop the people in white and fight them as he rescues Lara. Uh, so she's really good. She was in the first season of Better Call Saul playing a fairly important role and is like killed it she was very good so i'm excited to see her stunning in the show she is stunning yeah as soon as i saw her i was like wow Mm -hmm. and the first thing i thought of i'm actually reading uh, another comic right now called fatale yeah which uh is by ed brubaker and sean phillips who's probably the most potent team up in comics at least in my opinion and uh it's a really amazing series i'm on like the fourth four out of five trades so i'm almost done the central character is this woman named josephine yeah and as soon as I saw, uh, what's her name? The actress? Uh, I'll have to find it real quick. Anyway. You saw Lara. As soon as I saw Lara, yeah, I was like, whoa, she would be perfect for that role. Because she's like very magnetic. Not only in the yeah. way in the way she looks and she's got like kind of a kind of a like fifties Hollywood glam to her. Yeah. But her, her just her presence is really strong. Her name is Julie Ann Emery. Yes. I didn't recognize her in the blonde okay. wig at all. And then as soon as she took it off, I was like She's from Better Call Saul. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So, uh, main things here that I wanted to talk about. Uh, we've got the little moment with Denise with the M and M's here, giving us a little more context to the relationship. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, showing showing you that, you know, Kat, and it, you know what, and in that in that moment, I'm just now realizing it seems a lot like Cassidy's trying to get back into good graces, almost like he did. He knows that he did something to upset Denise. And he's trying to like be like, oh yeah, you know, he's trying to be like fun and playful of like the Three Stooges is good in any language. And kind of the idea that he comments on that and that Denis is only speaking to him in, in French. I don't know. It's I there's a bunch of puzzle pieces laying in front of me right now, and I don't know what they all lay out to be. It could be one of those things where it's just wacky Cassidy, but it could also be something else. No, I think what you're seeing is or what you're noticing is pretty representative of what makes Cassidy Cassidy. Yeah. And I think that we'll probably just leave it there for now. Okay. That's fine. Well, speaking a little bit more about Cassidy, we see... Well, well, all right. (laughs) We see Tulip kind of unraveling and pacing around the room a little bit about this Mrs. Barbaray situation. Uh, Cassidy's just kind of like, we should leave. And she's all, Jesse wouldn't want to do that. He only wants to find God. And Cassidy gets pretty angry that when when she suggests that he can't help, and his the direct quote is, "No, you're treating me like an idiot Irish sidekick, and I think you need to tell me what's going on." And when he said that, I was like, "Maybe, maybe we're going to get to where Nick wants to be." As of our discussion last week, of like, like the show's being very self aware about where Cassidy is in that moment. Yes. So it sounds like they're going to try and get to a place where he breaks out of that and becomes more of a solid part of the team. But who knows when that's going to happen. Right. Cassidy seems aware of the fact that he's not... That they, that they don't necessarily consider him on the same yeah. level. Yep. Yeah, or that he doesn't have anything to do. I do like... Uh, this is kind of rewinding a bit, but I like the relationship between Cassidy and Jesse 
like or in regards to the bar scene like when they leave the first bar yeah they keep making or the dog part they keep making jokes about it like they keep having little one-liners yeah about the dog and while tulip's looking around like concerned and they, they're just kind of like giggle they're kind of laughing and like making jokes and then when she decides to go back to the motel and he's like, where's she going? And she's like, oh, or when he tells her, like, all right, I'll see you later. And he kind of claps Cassie on the back. Like, let's go pal. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I really want to see that like hardcore bro out between Cassidy and Jesse. Cause it's super important because mm-hmm. like in the books, they're like obnoxiously best friends. <laughs> like they love each other so much that it's, <laughs> it's like when you, when you make a new friend yeah, and, you, and when you're a little bit younger and you just like, literally want to do everything with them yep. and like call them like oh like about every little thing yeah and it's hilarious it's hilarious and it's adorable in the book and like they just <laughs> and tulips even like you guys like each other too much because then <laughs> tulips actually she starts to get a little suspicious of cassidy because she's she's kind of the one who's like we don't really know much about him like yeah and she doesn't really trust him she thinks he's a little shifty she's like he's kind of a junkie he's a vampire like you think he's just good for a laugh and he's like your buddy but is it, what is do you some do ulterior? you do you really know him kind yeah. of thing and it's easy when you when you click with somebody and you become friends with them to just kind of overlook a lot of that and mm-hmm. just be like oh I, i'm getting everything i need out of this relationship right here on this level yeah before it like really deepens into a deeper friendship and so in the books she's just a little she kind of has her guard up around him slightly and i think in the show she kind of does a little bit it just isn't it's not it's that, that it's yeah. not that evident but she kind of right now they're kind of on the same team yeah she kind of lets it down in certain angles because she's kind of she's kind of a degenerate also she's not a degenerate but you know what i mean like she's been on the wrong side of the law pretty much all the time and she feels the need to hide things from jesse exactly so So he's kind of her natural confidant because she's like on the one hand i have more in common with jesse because of all this but on the other hand cassidy is who i am maybe at my core a lot more like yeah because jesse can do really evil things and he'll still think he's the good guy. That's kind of like part of his character is he'll think he's doing something for the right reason where if you really stand back and look at it objectively, be like, no, what you did was really bad. Yeah. But Cassidy is at least a little more like he knows when he does bad stuff. Yep. But he chooses to just be okay with it. But he at least knows he'll, he'll admit it. Whereas Jesse would never admit it. So Tulip, it's kind of interesting watching Tulip in the show. She kind of is teetering between the two guys Whereas in the book, she's way more like, I'm not that interested in being friends with Cassidy. Interesting. So it's interesting. And then in the book, he feels even more relegated to like the sidekick. And as a result, he pursues Jesse harder. And Jesse reciprocates because he thinks Cassidy is the bomb. And then Tulip gets angrier. And then it's just like <laughs> this three-way cycle just kind of feeds itself. So we're it's not really... A, it's like a weirder love triangle. Yeah. Like a re- almost like a reverse. It's like two dudes in their friendship <laughs> and then the girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in the show, there's not really any animosity between any of them or any any friction. Yeah. They all get along pretty well as this little family unit. And so I'm kind of waiting for this for that to kind of come out a bit. Because right as of right now, like everything's just pretty peachy as far as is the character relationships are concerned. Yeah. Which is okay. I guess because these guys probably have a, a a roadmap of like six seasons or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so there's there's time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I think uh, I think that watching these relationships evolve is is pretty interesting. And Tulip is so far, in a way, the most interesting character because I still can't quite get a get a bead on where she's going or or where she's been. So yeah. it's uh, if, it is, if it you're is gonna meet to up with Comic Tulip and exactly like what? Oh, it's already way. Yeah, yeah. we're pretty far gone. Um, which, is, which is great. On to Lara a bit. So, uh, you know, she's singing a song called Almost Blue. I didn't really look into it too much. I didn't know if you had any 
connections with it, but another nice little jazz, jazzy, bluesy performance. Yep. Um, yeah, super cool. Like mm-hmm. very, very like dame, very yeah. noir. Kind of stumble into a bar and see this like femme fatale. Yep. Somebody who's very alluring, and you're like, you want to hear more. And the the exchange she has with the barfly is really good about Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. <laughs> he doesn't even know that uh, he's yeah, giving her the he right just, answer. He he questions himself. Yep. And or it doesn't question her. He just kind of he doubts himself, and then he leaves. And I think that in a in a female character like that doubt or like lack of confidence is like the immediate like, yeah, they'll, I, they'll, they'll go for the go I'd, for your neck yeah i don't need you yep. goodbye and, yeah. and jesse custer is nothing if not just <laughs> pure just bull confidence yep and so I, I was like i can't wait to watch them start talking it's probably gonna be really electric yeah and it was uh we can fast forward a bit to the fight yeah i really liked that fight God, that fight kicked ass yeah that was time, so good. Like I was thinking, I was looking at it and just watching it all unfold after me, and I was, it was like, "This isn't a normal TV fight where everybody waits their turn and like yep. he's legitimately fighting like Dominic four Cooper. guys at yeah. once." Yeah. And it was all him. Yep. Like he was totally there. So that was that was a really impressive fight. It to was me. really well choreographed. It was really well shot. Yeah. Uh, really well delivered by him and the stuntman. Yeah. That God, that's the perfect way to put it. Nobody was waiting their turn. Yeah. And it wasn't cutting around it. It was like letting it happen, and it's yeah. the kind of thing where like this it, wasn't a green grass action scene. This no, is, this was like a daredevil action yeah. scene. This was a this is a haywire level uh, <laughs> action scene. Yeah, except I liked it. Old, <laughs> old joke for you film nerds fans out there. Yeah, <laughs> whether we like it or not, we're living in a post haywire world, and that's just the truth. Yep. Uh, to be fair, I haven't. I didn't even finish haywire, so I can't. Fine. I, I guess. I I, no, you know what? I need to. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm gonna shame it like I have. I will watch Haywire with you again because right. I haven't watched it since I saw it in the theater. Oh, okay, it's time for a re-exam. It is. Uh, yeah, it was great though. I it did, was really I good. Did have no, oh, and I I lost my shit when I saw who it was in the van, like coming with the with the white suits and the the red ties oh, all, all spilling all the, out of there. All the white suited people. Yeah, oh, they haven't said the name yet, have they? No, did they say the name? So I I'm fairly certain they mentioned the name of it in the first season. Okay, early on. And then it's the kind of thing that just kind of got breezed by and hasn't come back into relevance until now. But yeah. basically, the white suits with the red ties are a clear indicator of who this group is from the books. Okay. And I've been waiting for them to show up. <laughs> and it's awesome. Not impatiently, because they wouldn't have had much room in season one. The little tease that we do get is is appropriate enough. Yeah. Season one was kind of a different story. But now that they're on the scene, it's going to get so Things good. are going to change. And they need to be in every episode because they're the best. <laughs> Well, it seems like we might we might get a lot more of them. So, and especially considering that they're they're a, they are a major, if not primary, source of antagonism in the book. Like okay. the, it's a very big deal. Well, uh, because Julianne Emery is in the main credit sequence, yes. like she's a main cast member, so yep. presumably we will see a lot more of them. Um, on Act Four. Lara informs Jesse that there was an uh, there's an organization organization bent on world domination that is aware of God's abandonment of his post. She pushes Jesse into using the word on her and skips town. Uh, Tulip calls Jesse presumably to ask for help or tell him what's going on, but she can't find the words and he isn't playing her game. So she goes out to buy some cigarettes, and then we get a little bit about Eugene meeting one of his cellmates, played by Noah Taylor, yes. that looks an awful lot like Hitler. <laughs> Oh, he's Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's really good. Yeah. 
All right, let's start at the top of this because yep. a right. lot happened in that. So Lara talking to well, Jesse. Succinctly told, Alex. Well done. Thank you. Uh, we had another shot of the album, the 14 songs, the 14 best songs that no you've one, never you've heard. Never heard of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> she had that in there. That's that's kind of fun. Um, they had a little moment there. So so she's she's uh, as I'm going to start telling this as we've all watched the episode because we have. She's feeding him this information. Yes. She's very much telling Jesse that there's an organization bent on world domination that is aware of God leaving. And they had a man killed for knowing that God had left his post. Mm-hmm. As if they're controlling the information for themselves. Yes. So that, I mean, and, and the one thing that I noted, she said the guy's dead, the body washed up in the swamps. I mean, they find dead guys in the swamps all the time, right? Which is another callback to swamps with what Jesse was yes. saying about not liking the swamps. Yes. So I thought that was a nice little... Well, a lot of swamp action. Nice little sprinkle, because we get a lot of sprinkles. A lot of sprinkles. Um, make just a gif of like Salt Bay. <laughs> it's the writers of the show sprinkling little nuggets of info. Yes, they're seasoning the show with hints. Yes, um, that yeah. scene was awesome. Uh, it seemed readily apparent to me that she was not on the up and up because she just moved with like this purpose that felt like a spy she felt it felt very spy yeah and maybe that's just another kind of genre trope overlapping because these these women are frequently dangerous and uh so i was like she's she's up to something i didn't really notice it too much especially it was all it all seemed like it just felt it felt a little staged. It feels a little... Yeah, yeah. And which, in the way she got kidnapped right outside and she looked at him as she like, look. <laughs> yeah. I'm being pulled out of the... Yeah, it was just really funny. And then like the house and like the sitter and the baby, it just it all felt... I was like, this feels very orchestrated. Hmm. I didn't know who her... I didn't... I did not know who her character was while I was watching it. And okay. then it all clicked yeah. like later. But... And then I was like, something suspicious here. And maybe it's one <laughs> of those things where like... Uh, I've already forgotten his name because this is what I do. Uh, the the preacher from who married his parents the friend uh, oh uh. <laughs> he just <laughs> why are you laughing because <laughs> I don't remember it either oh <laughs> uh, anyway he told them Mike Mike that memorable name classic Mike, Mike. <laughs> oh you don't run across that many Mikes nope <laughs> he uh, he did didn't he basically say, he said don't trust anyone but each other or something like that and even then. He basically said, don't trust anybody but but yourself or each other or something like that. Or don't trust anyone. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that was kind of sticking in the back of my mind. And because in the book, Jesse kind of, he will continually run into people with an agenda. So maybe that's all kind of, that's kind of built into. And at the same time, he will walk into any situation, like whatever, like come what may and I'll deal with it. Yeah. But... In the scene, I was just like, this feels, it feels like something. And then, and then immediately when she started talking and she was telling him everything, I was like, okay, this is good. And then when she started pressing him, like, now, how did you, now tell me again. Then she was pressing him. I was like, okay, she wants to know. She knows that he did something and she wants him to say it. She wants him to like admit to it, to cop to it. And so then when he finally does, I was like, ah, she's like, it just felt like a spy doing, you know, plying her trade yeah. and like and extracting information from him without him knowing that he's doing it. I appreciated all of that in retrospect because at the time it really did feel to me like the she obviously knows of these people and she's wondering what in the world could ever get them to stop. Yeah. 
And so she's she's certainly up to the fact that he's got something that made them stop. Yep. But it did not hit me that she wanted proof of concept yes. or something like that. Well, it felt like a scene from like a trial where she like he needed to say it. He needed to admit it so that it was yeah, that, in the or, air. Or like some, somebody somebody trying to get somebody on a wire. Exactly. Yeah. And I, in that moment, I was like, who is she with? Because I was like. <laughs> She was getting kidnapped by them. Yeah. She wouldn't be with... Was she with them? And then I began to wonder. I was like, but who is she? Like, I couldn't place who she yeah. was from the comic. So... Yeah, that's interesting. It's a good scene. Uh, so then we get to the moment of Jesse and Tulip on the phone, essentially bickering again about what we already, already talked about. Jesse notices a poster for a jazz club called Angelville or like a show called Angelville. Like an attraction. Yeah, and he sees the gear with the skull in it that's tattooed on him and was on the the arm that killed his father from the first season. Yeah. So we're sprinkling sprinkling more. Oh, <laughs> Even yeah. more sprinkles. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, nothing but sprinkles. Yep. Do you remember? I'm going to clue you into this just because I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when he's talking about his mom uh yeah a little bit do you remember what her name is langelle mm, interesting interesting oh yes yeah i thought that was a little convenient that her last name was angel something like angel ish oh yeah so langelle Ooh, all got, right i got a little goosebump just by <laughs> just by watching that look on your face <laughs> yeah. man i can't wait oh no, this that's is gonna cool. be so good this that's is gonna cool. be such a good season uh, but yeah, they're not. Oh, uh, the other thing, the noise, the sound effect that played in the background when he was looking at the poster. Oh, really? I didn't notice. You didn't notice? Nope. That's the third time I think that sound has come around. In it, this season? Yeah. Interesting. And it's important. I wonder if it's anywhere in season one. It may be. Is it like, are we, are we talking about like an audio cue or is it just like a, like a little bit of score or? It's, it's a, it's a cue. Okay. I mean, it happened. It definitely happened twice. I think it happened three times. I think it happened twice. Was in this one? Episode. Was the one with with the with the with the treasure chest and the and the yeah. aquarium? Interesting. Oh All yeah. Right. All right. Interesting. Oh, this is great. This is the this is the part where our show gets really exciting. <laughs> where I'm just going to be noticing. I'm going to be really annoying in every and episode. You're feeding me even more breadcrumbs. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be so full on sprinkles and breadcrumbs. That's your diet. Yep. Uh. Let's see. Tulip, tulip leaving to go get cigarettes. We'll talk about in the next segment. But Eugene, uh, finding out his cell is unlocked. Yeah. Um, well, it, the, she left the door open, right? I don't and know. Said, and said, "Don't move." Yeah, she he, said, "Don't move." Yeah. Like, it, obviously, there's something going wrong in hell. <laughs> yeah, hell had a power outage or something. And and I'll I'll tell you right now what my theory. I don't know if it's a theory or what it is, but. Part of me is wondering if DeBlanc went to hell when he was killed and he's kind of making good on his or, or, or he's he's trying to get Eugene out to. That's an awesome theory that yeah. I hadn't thought about. And if DeBlanc rolls up Comes later. back, yeah. And maybe Fior could be there too since he's dead now at the hands of the saint. Perhaps. But. Yeah, Fior. I wouldn't be heartbroken to see them come back because I I think they're a good duo. Yeah, I I kind of like I kind of would prefer Fior just recede into into nothing because I loved that lingering question that yeah. like really philosophical moment of where do angels go when they die? That's and true. Like that's the question, and I liked that he was willing to take the leap because his existence was so rough. 
for him to be reunited with the Blanc, I feel like would be a little unsatisfying because it's all he really wanted. Well, but okay, so I mean, it could it could shake out into the situation of like like maybe Fior really didn't know where he was going. That's true. You I guess mean, it, could, like, it could it could play out in either you mean way. Like maybe they go to hell. That's where they go. Oh yeah, like maybe maybe it was just the when angels die at the hand of the saint, they they go to hell. Could be. Maybe Fior knew that and he wanted to get to DeBlanc, or maybe Fior didn't know that and he will still maybe end up in DeBlanc. He'll like maybe maybe, he'll, maybe, maybe he'll get his happiness. Maybe DeBlanc or maybe Fior is somewhere in that same block and DeBlanc's going to come down and try and figure out what to do here and Save they'll run buddy. into each other essentially. That would be that would be kind of a good reunion, I we'll guess. get a good reunion, but yeah. Anyway, like Fezzik and Inigo reuniting and <laughs> yeah, Princess Bride. Yeah. Um yeah, we'll see. Noah Taylor. Noah Taylor as Hitler. Noah Taylor has played Hitler before. Really? Yes. <laughs> In what? In the movie Max. Ah. Which I've seen. I have not. A long time ago. Uh, that's why when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's typecast now as Hitler. <laughs> he's played Hitler twice. Uh, the movie Max is probably from like 2000 and like two or something like that, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it's interesting because I like Noah Taylor, and that's what made me watch it because I was like, Noah Taylor plays Taylor. That's weird. Interesting. And I went to. Did you find out what year it's from? Two thousand two. You were did, right. Oh wow! How about yep. that? Yeah, it was good. It's total stab in the dark. It's good call. Yes. Good pull. Uh, yeah, it's an okay movie, but Noah Taylor's funny because his German accent's like not good. Yeah. <laughs> he still he still sounds kind of Australian. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, it sounds like an an, an Aussie doing a during a German. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. I'm like, why did they cast him? They could have <laughs> they could have done some. It's almost like a, an in joke. Like maybe like. They like that movie, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, he was good as Hitler." Evan Goldberg loved that yeah. movie. <laughs> he's, I just do Seth Rogen impression every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Him. It'll be interesting to hear him. Maybe he's gotten better over the years. It was funny. It has been 15 years since that movie. That's so. true. He's been polishing his. Well, he says one line in it, and right away I started laughing. So it's like it doesn't mm. sound good. Yeah. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I guess you don't want to cast too realistic Hitler lookalike at the movie because it's probably like it's not something you want in your resume. Yeah. You don't want to be like that guy pro hitler impersonator <laughs> just don't yeah but anyway uh i w- here's the thing about that whole thing you shouldn't really play hitler for laughs i feel like and i feel like the there there can be no other course of action for uh, for uh rogan and, and goldberg like what are you doing if you've got hitler in your show especially this show it feels like it's not going to be taken seriously. So there's no... Is there any Hitler in the comic? No. No. <laughs> I mean, it... He might be on like a panel somewhere when, if it shows like the Santa Killer <laughs> shooting him in the face or something. He's not a character. I would... I mean, it, that was my first thought when I saw Hitler. I was like, oh God, of course... Of course... Uh, That's where they'd take it. Yeah. 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 But... <sighs> I'm going to wait. I'm going to reserve we, judgment yeah, we, and we see what happens. But my, fir- my gut reaction was the first time this show has made me wince and go maybe too far. We'll have so to we'll see. see. The goodness of Eugene against the evil of Hitler. Like We'll have to see what Hitler is really like. <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like We know. like he's, What are they going to... What, what possibly fulfilling character interaction will come out of that because we know eugene's really good and we know hitler's really bad yeah you know what i mean like it's just gonna um, it, it can only amount to comedy i don't see anything anything revolutionary coming out of this 
And if so, what's it going to be? Is Hitler going to feel bad and be like, oh, I need to get out of this place. I realize all the bad I've done because that's not going to be received well either. Or is Hitler going to help Eugene let go of his Tracy Loach sins? I don't want that either because <laughs> Hitler should not be about self-reflection. So sympathetic. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's a really it's a really weird choice. It's a touchy subject. And I want to see what they're going to do with it, yeah. I guess. But uh, it, it was the first thing that made me kind of go, <laughs> and they've done some pretty gross stuff on the yeah. show. Yeah. So. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. More. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how else people receive it. You know, one of the probably fatal flaws of our, of this show and me watching Preacher and being on this show is the fact that I never read anything on Reddit that other people are thinking. And that's, yeah. that's a huge mistake that I'm making. I need to like go onto the subreddit and read other people's thoughts. Well, yeah, and that's part of the thing. Like some of it, I I try to strike a balance a lot of times because I feel as though I don't want to be parroting other people. That's true, and you don't want to have your own uh, read on an episode colored by somebody else. Because I did the same thing with Westworld. I didn't really do any reading on that yeah. either. I guess towards the end of the season, I started to because it was just getting too good. The Westworld thing was different because you're kind of reading into like I was trying to read into the nitty gritty details of the show, less about. Yeah. criticism and how people are feeling about it. I would be willing to, to read more about how people are feeling about Hitler being in the show. Like if that comes to be something that more people talk about, then I would be very interested in, in seeing yeah. more of, of the editorial take on that. Yeah. And, and I don't think I'm, I'm being overly sensitive either. Like I'm not, I'm not usually one who's overly you know, politically correct police or anything like that. Like I'm not, I'm not usually like riled up. I get like, like the that. question comes down to like, is, is does Hitler get to the point where like we see like general Cornwallis in the revolutionary war as being like a, like, was there ever a point when Cornwallis was the, you don't joke about being Cornwallis? Probably <laughs> not because he wasn't fucking Hitler. Exactly. So that's right. kind of, it's a, it's a very weird question. To There's be like asking. a very small list of things that seem kind of comedically off limits for the most part. And I'd say he makes the cut. So. But at the same time, you look at something like the producers. Yeah. That's that the movies, that movie and that play are all about. Yeah, that's true. All about that. Mel Brooks though. He has. Me, yeah. Mel Brooks launch. has free reign. He apparently. can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Maybe so, he consulted. Maybe Ghost wrote some of this season. If anybody has any interesting thoughts about Hitler being in the show, I'd any love to thoughts hear. at all? Yeah, it doesn't have to be interesting. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be about Hitler. If you want to tell us more about your feelings on on season two or season one of of Preacher, please write in gttpodcast yeah. at gmail dot com. Anyway, it probably wasn't worth talking about that much, but it was the first thing that kind of made me kind of gave me pause and thought maybe. Maybe this has gone too far. I think that's worth and, noting. And maybe there is Hitler mentioned in the book and I've just forgotten it. Yeah. It's very possible because Lance and I were texting the, uh, yesterday and I think a little bit today about some of the things. He did go back and look up for me because we were talking about it. Uh, Jesse does use the word on the Santa Killers. It works. And it works books. in the book. Yes. All right. He doesn't like it, but it works. Okay. So it's kind of what we said. People who are under the influence of the word, they seem they know that they are for yeah. the most part. They're just powerless to do anything. And the saint does not enjoy the fact that <laughs> Jesse yeah, makes him holster his gun and stuff. I wouldn't think so. So I do think that that check and balance is going to be required in the show. Yeah. I think that you need something that's going to put a pause on the scene of killers. Yeah, but we'll any, see. Anyway. We'll see. And that was that was one of the questions that I had coming out of this episode was two times that he used the word. Yep. And obviously they're in the same night in this instance, whereas, you know, we watched a little bit of time pass. Yeah. But still, 
Well, like, we know the saint adjusted his compass heading, and he's yeah, he's heading there, coming right least, at him. But it seemed like it seemed, you know, it was a little. Uh, we're still learning those rules. I do like point. I do like to know that fan people watching the show are now clued into this, so they know that every time Jesse uses it, the saint is going to re readjust yeah. and head that way. So it's it's cool. Well, but the thing is, is that he Fior told him anyway. <laughs> They were in, that he was in. New, they were headed to he New did. Orleans. So he it's did kind of like him. he would have been headed there anyway. But does the word help get him there faster? Or anything? I don't think so. But Probably I think it not. tells him exactly where. Like yeah. New Orleans is New Orleans. It's a ping. It's the he, last. Exa- yeah, he dropped Jesse dropped a pin and sent yeah. it to him. So <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's it's pretty awesome. All right. Uh, finally, Act Five. It turns out Lara works for the organization she tipped Jesse off about, and she escalates Jesse's case, quote unquote, to Samson Unit. Does that mean something to you? Uh, I think it's just under direct command of, of Hair Star. Hair Star. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we cut to the organization and meet Hair K Star. And uh, Jesse learns from a jazz aficionado that a walk to the peak can be interpreted as the depiction of the end of the world or a depiction of the end of the world. And uh, Tulip gets surrounded by a group of Victor's men. So, um, yeah, we've already I've already commented on this a little bit. I liked the little note she when she starts getting into the van. She says, "You guys could, you guys could have given me a dog instead of a baby or something of that yeah. sort." Which so I, right away, obviously the guys fell away. Yep, yep. Which is very cool. A cool sequence. Yeah, and you know she rips the wig off and sits down. And so as soon as I saw the haircut, I was like, "Oh God, it's Featherstone." Interesting. And so that's why when you. When I looked up after the episode, I looked up the cast and I saw Lara Featherstone. I was like, holy shit, because I didn't realize that at first. I couldn't even remember hearing her name in the episode. They just say Lara. Okay. Yeah, because he says, I'm looking for Lara. I think he says, go see Lara. She's a singer. Okay. At some, oh, no, when she introduces him, herself to the Tallahassee guy, she says Lara. I'm Lara. Okay. Yeah, because I, 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 so, I, I wrote out my notes and I was like, I should probably maybe know her name. And I just looked it up and, and threw it in there. But I don't know in the books if she ever is called by her full name. She probably is, but... For the most part, hair star and everyone only refer to her as Featherstone. Featherstone. She's like okay. Agent Featherstone. Okay. And the guy driving the van is Hoover. Yeah. Well, the guy driving the van was actually the bartender that told him to go to oh, the Oh, it Russia was? Money. I didn't even I, be- see- I believe so. I believe so. That would be really cool if it was. I think that's the case. Because he looked, he looked very much like that guy. That guy so. is, I'm 99.9% sure he's Hoover. And okay. he's like Featherstone's kind of partner. Or at least Do the we want to confirm with credits on IMDb or, or would you rather? If he's Hoover? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll see, I'll see if he I didn't go up. that far in the cast. Um, he's probably Hoover. And if so, that's super exciting. Uh, and then we see Hairstar. Hairstar is never named in the book. His first name. So we get a first initial. We K, get a K. Yeah. That's cool, I guess. We yeah. don't need it. What I like it? I like that it says hair. Well, place, bet, place bets. I don't know what the K means. Klaus. I was going to say Klaus, too. <laughs> uh, he, it's awesome. He looks so good. I'm glad we finally saw his face. The scar yeah. is perfect. Mm-hmm. He looks great. I'm, I'm eager to hear him. Yeah. I'm eager for him to have something to do other than see the back of him and then see the front of him. <laughs> We've seen all the yeah. sides of Hairstar. So, so here's the thing. We can, we can touch back on now. I think it was episode three yes. of uh, season one. Yes. We see, uh, if, if you, the listeners, remember, uh, Tulip was apparently doing a job for Hairstar. Uh, or at least for Danny. Unbeknownst to her. Unbeknownst to her. Un- maybe linked to Hairstar. But she retrieved a map. Um, for Danny, 
And then Danny takes it to Hairstar, who's watching. We didn't know it was Hairstar at the time, but it was a man in a white suit with a white hat. He was watching a snuff film, uh, snuff film fest or something in uh, Houston or wherever it was yeah. that they happened to be in. So we have seen Hairstar in the show before, um, but already rocking the Panama hat. Yeah, he doesn't get that in the book until later. Actually, and he gets it for a very specific reason. Yeah, and I really hope that that exact reason happens in the show i don't know how they'll do it but they have to because it's so good it's one of the best jokes in the whole book yeah i don't think uh i'm not certain that that bartender slash driver is uh is in these imdb credits okay as it's, of yet it's probably hoover uh maybe tropical isle bartender i don't know no that's a different guy too so yeah maybe we'll see more next episode okay. or something I can, I can, I will try and confirm that he's the bartender too. Okay. But, uh, that was the impression that I got when I saw his face. Um, so other than that, nothing else on Harris did the, they put laid down a case file, Jesse's case file on top of it is something that's says pig it says pig. Does that mean anything to you? Um, not yet. It it probably means something. Okay. It might be it might be a reference to the book that I just didn't pick up on. Okay. Or uh, it might be something that's going to come back later. All right. It's weird though because Jesse's file should probably go on the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Of like the the pig case is higher priority than him. Then somehow the guy maybe speaking with the word of God. Yeah. And who knows about the uh, disappearance of God? Yeah. Yeah, the gr- the 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 group's agenda is is really interesting, and I really want to know what how, what, what, what they're going to show yeah, and yeah, say. Exactly. And yeah. yeah, I can't wait. Um, other than that, we've got the scene with Jesse in the bar, learning that a walk to the peak uh, is seen by this at least this other person. I don't know if this is an accepted interpretation of the song, but it's kind of. Standing on the precipice of the end of the world, essentially. Which yeah, that's uh, we've gotten several references to the end of the world. It's the thing that Jesse and, and Tulip say to each other all the time, which they do in the book. Yep. Um, so the themes seem to be the end of the world and jazz, apparently. And the two yeah. are intertwined. Yeah. And then uh, Tulip uh, gets surrounded by Victor's men in that laundromat. Obviously, like... So her leaving was just kind of a, I need to go and deal with this yes. kind of thing. I think she's going to face it head on. Okay. Yeah. And that was kind of the impression. It was interesting because I was writing these notes down and I was going to say something like Tulip gets accosted. But then I was like, no, I'm going to change it to surrounded because I have a feeling Tulip's not going to go without a fight. I think she will to a point. Yeah. I think she came there knowing that somebody would come to retrieve her. Okay. They're going to march her into uh, where she needs to be. Is Victor? Do, I can't remember if I asked you. Is Victor a name that you know? No, but I okay. think it's probably somebody. Okay. That I sh- should know. It was a cool sequence. I liked the feeding the quarters. It was really. Yeah. Good. It was a good way to yeah. draw draw it out. <laughs> make it tense. <laughs> the whole time I was like, God, cigarettes probably do cost that many quarters, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like she puts like twenty Take, quarters into that forever. machine. But uh, yeah, anything else in the episode that you wanna? Any notes that I didn't touch on? Anything like that? I don't think so. Are you still excited, or do you feel do you feel deflated with the sprinkling that's going on, or <laughs> where where are you at? I am I am excited. My my appetite has been stoked 
by a lot of the stuff that happened in this episode. Uh, it does feel at times like a lot of table setting still. Okay. And I'm not really too excited to tread any more water on some of this stuff, but yeah. a lot of a lot of elements got introduced in this episode that are going to propel the show forward, whether whether we like it or not. They have to. Yeah. If there's more like weird stalling, it's not going to make any sense pretty soon because there's going to be so much going on. Yeah. And so I, I, I am very excited. I can't remember if we talked about it on air or not, but the idea that they grouped the first two episodes together. Uh, I was wondering when I had heard that they were doing that, if they felt like episode one didn't stand well on its own, but I don't necessarily agree with that after viewing it. So part of me was kind of thinking maybe this is like a, we know that there's a lot of heavy table, table setting up front and maybe they're just trying to get ahead on like a, yeah, by week three or four, we want to be here. That's a good interpretation. So maybe, maybe that'll happen. Maybe that's a generous, generous interpretation, but I'm, I'm, really looking forward to next week's that's yeah. for sure I, I think it's gonna be really good cool yeah no i enjoyed it quite a bit i'm excited to watch more that's shaping up pretty much all i have to say about it once again you can find more episodes of our podcast on g2tpodcast.com that's uh the letter g number two letter t podcast.com we're also on itunes stitcher radio and google play podcasts uh, we're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email email us at G2T Podcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it's being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what's, what next week's episode of Preacher brings, but until then, go forth and speak the good word.